0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Those of you joining us online as well, thank you for being here. Um, good to see you all. Hope, hope everyone had a great um, Christmas again with family, um, friends. Um, our, our family spent yesterday morning uh, together at home. Um, uh, loved, had a great time together. Um, we spent the evening then with some friends. Um, last night, great time to be together. We're driving, um, to Indiana this Wednesday to be with uh, my side of the family there. So if you'll pray for us and the 10 hour road trip and safe travels and no fighting with the kids and the van the whole way, (laughs) that would be great. Appreciate it. But I'm looking forward to that time. Um, there's maybe some of you at home watching, still celebrating this weekend. So, um, I'm just excited for you all for that. Let me let me start this morning by asking, um, tell me about a dream. Um, tell me about a dream that you had as a kid, something that um, you dreamed about doing, maybe a kid, young adult even, that you wanted to, to do or be someday. Think about a, a dream you had now. Think about a dream that you had that did not come true. Think about that dream. I know we don't like to think maybe about those dreams. Think about a dream you had that didn't come true. Um, I remember as a, as a sixth grader, we had an assignment from our English teacher to write a story about a dream we had um, uh, as kids. We would have to write it all down. We'd have to then um, do some artwork or something alongside with it and then have to present it to the class, okay? So this was sixth grade. Um, it was close to um, the 1996 Olympics coming up in Atlanta, Georgia. Alright, my brother, sister, and I were all involved in swimming, and so naturally my dream was one day to be in the Olympics as a swimmer. Okay, I don't know if you all know that, but it did not happen. Okay, I did not swim in the Olympics ever. Um, uh, I, in fact, I never even made it to state. Okay, <laughs> no, but um, um, that was what my heart was set on as a kid. Um, I remember reading it in front of the class and presenting that, and it was it was it was uh, important to me. It was it was special. Um, but no worries, I didn't make it. But I do have a much better physique than Michael Phelps, obviously. Um, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, Sunday before New Year's, you may expect a sermon on on resolutions. Maybe why um, they often fail, or depending on your church experience, maybe even a resolution on why God cares about your dreams. Um, Well, buckle up, church, because that's not what we're talking about this morning. No, none of those ideas are necessarily bad. I've I've preached some of those in the past. But I I think some of those concepts fall short for those of us who have had dreams that haven't come true and and often more serious dreams that that don't come true. Those who experience severe loss. Right. Or whose marriages have have failed or ended in divorce, divorce, couples who've struggled with infertility or people who have struggled with other health related issues, serious issues. Um, All of us at some time have experienced hurt or loss that didn't feel like a dream. Right. Maybe maybe more of a nightmare at times Um, as a church. The number of losses right here in our church family um, this past year and even in these past few months has felt staggering. Multiple families have lost fathers, mothers, other close family, others diagnosed with aggressive forms of cancers and other diseases. Church, when life comes with a diagnosis or it comes to an end altogether, for someone we love, how do you and I perceive God's purposes in those times? What if our dreams are not our reality? What if life doesn't turn out the way we we hoped it would? So call this morning if you want the the anti-resolution message. Maybe not anti as much as the opposite of a sermon on resolutions. I want to speak with you this morning on how you and I can thankfully have hope when our dreams fail. We we've, we've spoken some recently um, about developing a solid theology of suffering. Why God can still be trusted when you uh, when you and I fail or or, or lose. Um, Or my dreams don't come true Why God's goodness never ends Listen, uh, I I think this is so crucial for us to understand There's a reason we've been hitting some of these themes often lately Um, It's so, so important that we really get this Maybe you're wondering, Pastor, man, way to bring me down the day after Christmas (laughs) Listen, the reality is that many families sat around yesterday and at home And it wasn't full of joy because they had celebrated the first Christmas without a loved one. For some families, they celebrated what what might be the last one with someone they care about. Life is full of circumstances we didn't plan on, right? Some of our disappointment, I do think, can, can, can come from wrong expectations. It said one of the biggest reasons for frustrations in marriage Marriages, for example, are uncommunicated or unmet expectations. I expected my spouse to be or do this, and it never happened. But my spouse had no idea that was the expectation, right? It was never communicated. Um, I blame Disney movies and Hallmark movies. Amen. Can I get an amen? Right? I blame those two. Cinderella and her fairy tale Prince Charming did more to unre- unrealistically the inflate the expectations of women everywhere. Okay? Um, if this was your expectation, right, and this is your reality, right, you might be set up for a little heartache. I'm just saying, you might be set up for a little heartache. <laughs> In the same way, if your expectation of life was one full of nothing but a happy fairy tale, you'll, you'll be sorely disappointed, right? Right? This morning, I'm not talking about Disney movies. I'm going to speak uh, to you of how, uh, it's, of how we can keep hope, even when our lives don't look like the fairy tales. What if my expectations of life itself may be a little unrealistic? How do we realign our understanding of this life with the suffering that often comes with it? Pastor has spoken often of, of scenarios where people are faced with the huge disappointments that, that life often brings. And if that person is caught off guard with no understanding of, of suffering or what to do with this unexpected pain, unfortunately there can be uh, a wrestling and questioning of my faith. Questions like, why did God allow blank, fill in the blank. Why did this have to happen? Why did that have to happen? I don't deserve that, those kinds of comments and questions. But my prayer this morning is that we see a bigger picture of for our suffering, a bigger understanding than the broken dreams of our childhood. Listen, church, we were never going to live in a Mayberry world, right? After the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, this world would never resemble the perf- the perfection of Eden until Christ returns again and everything is made new. But as you and I walk into 2022, whatever joys and difficulties it might bring, whatever loss, whatever diagnoses, whatever obstacles, there are three things to, to remember that I think would help us to have and keep hope Amen. Let's talk about those this morning. Number one, your pain has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose. Now, let me let me uh, give a quick disclaimer on this, okay? This is one of those concepts we need to be careful about, about rushing to tell someone as they're going through difficulty, right? Um, don't run up, write to somebody when they've experienced loss and say, it's okay, it has a purpose. That's sometimes not helpful, <laughs> It is, it, um, but I think God can and does show us, um, uh, show us that that what we're going through eventually that it has purpose. How many personally have gone through something difficult and see on the other side how God uses that for His good? Amen. I think many of us have experienced that. God does that. He shows us that, but when when we're able to speak uh, with compassion to the friend after a loss because we've experienced that exact same loss, do you see then how God might be crafting healing for that person out of what we've gone through? Do you see that? How about when we're able to sit with and encourage a brother or sister struggling in their marriage because of the deep um, pain we've experienced ourselves in our own relationship? God is using what we went through to minister to someone else. Being able to walk through an, an addiction with a friend because of the struggle we walk through as well. God has turned something that was awful and horrible in our lives and is now using it um, in a situation to provide comfort and encouragement for someone else. It's now come with a purpose. God does not, it does not mean that the struggle we went through is or was good, but it means that God redeemed something bad for his good. As he does so well. We all know uh, the verse from Romans 8.28 that, that speaks perfectly to this reality. If you, if you don't have this verse memorized, this is one I would say absolutely. Memorize it. Spend time. Know this verse. Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I think we all need to have that as one of those life verses we just know Church, you and I are called to God's purposes, and I pray this morning that we allow God to use our pain for his greater plan. Of course, the end result of pain in this this, um, temporal life, the the end result of uh, that pain is eternity with Christ. It is our great reward. That is the hope we have to look forward to, the purpose we have to look forward to. Through the beginning of of Romans chapter 8, Paul makes the point that as children of God, we are actually co-heirs with Christ. That's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, co-heirs with Christ. Paul elaborates on what that means, noting that the Christian can maintain hope for eternal life in the face of suffering and death. If we are co-heirs with Christ, we'll also inherit what is his eternal life. So how could suffering or pain here in the temporary world distract us from that hope? In a way, our current suffering reminds us of our eternal home. And the author of Hebrews reminds us in, in this way, Hebrews thirteen fourteen For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Amen. This is not our home. This is not where we were meant to, to be. Eternity in the presence of Christ is our hope, and no amount of loss or pain or persecution or suffering should be able to distract the committed follower of Christ from that eternal prize. I love that picture from Christmas Eve service, if, if you were here, uh, of, the, of the manger, right, as the, as the first advent, the second advent, the second coming of Christ then as our hope. Secondly, not only is there purpose in our pain, but secondly, your suffering cultivates Christ in others. Your suffering, what we go through, actually helps Christ to grow in others. And you're thinking, what? How in the world? Today, the church learns wisdom in suffering from the most well-known sufferer in the Bible. And you all think, you uh, probably immediately know who I'm talking about. Who am I talking about this morning? Job, right? But before the nightmare that Job would endure, um, Job had the dream life of his day. Did you know that? Before um, the suffering, he, Job had the dream life. Read along with me. This is Job chapter one, verse one. "In the land of Uz, not Oz. in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. Can we stop right there and say, who in the world needs 3,000 camels? What do you do with that many camels? I don't even know what you do with that many. Um, uh, of course, large number of, of cattle uh, were a sign of someone's wealth. Okay, so so it's obvious Job was extremely wealthy materially. He had he had everything in that day that you would need right to for to survive and and live well right. Um, at the end of verse three reiterates that force of his position of his status in the day. Uh, verse three says he was the greatest man among all the people of the east. Not only did Job um, have a lot materialistically, he also had a large family, many sons to carry on his name. That that was what everyone in that time of the world wanted, right? Someone to carry on the family name. Job had it. Seven sons, right? Um, And so not only was he blessed materially, not only was he blessed with family, they also lived the high life. Continue reading with me there, verse 4 says his sons used to hold feasts in their home on their birthdays, and they would invite the three sisters to eat and drink with them. I love that little comment, like, oh, good, they invited the sisters. Um, uh, When a period of feasting, though, had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular Custom That was common for the father of that time to, to stand in as the, uh, as the as a priest almost of the, of the family, right? Um, he was making those um, sacrifices for it. Uh, it. It says perhaps, right, for sins he may not even know about of his children. But Job is not known for his wealthy lifestyle, is he? That's not why we remember Job. He's not known for the lavish parties his kids threw or for how much cattle um, he had. Job is known for the way he suffered if you know the story of Job, you know what happens next. That little bit of what we just talked about in, in chapter 1 of Job is, is all that we hear of the good life of Job. And the rest of the 30-some chapters of Job is all about how he suffers. Starting with the rest of the chapter... Um, um, job loses every single thing he owned and loved. His children are all killed in horrific deaths. All his cattle killed or stolen by raiding tribes. His servants all killed in attack in the blink of an eye by a neighboring nation. In what seems sudden job li- 's life goes from picture perfect to nightmarish. as I said, we could teach a lot about the theology of suffering just from the book of Job. We're, we're told some things that, that give us some clues here to, to the suffering. We're told that Job's calamity wasn't because of sin. We don't get that idea. Remember, chapter 1 had told us that he was upright and blameless before the Lord. He was not suffering because of some sin, hidden sin in his life. It wasn't because of the sin of his children. He He had made, we're told he made the necessary atoning sacrifices for them, yet God did not intervene to stop Job's suffering. From the account of Job, we learn, among other things, about faithfulness to the Lord in spite of suffering. Job is never unfaithful to the Lord, even after his wife tells him to just curse God and die. That's probably my favorite part of that whole story. Like, really? That's your encouragement? <laughs> Appreciate it. Just curse God and die. But, he, um, but Job, through his pain, helps us to see God cl- even closer. From Colossians one twenty four, Paul writes as he sits, remember, sitting in prison, um, by the way, likely in Rome. This is what he, Paul writes in Colossians one twenty four. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. The Greek word they're used in the first half of the verse when Paul says suffering for you can also mean on behalf of. His suffering was done then on behalf of the church. And later in that verse, he uses the same Greek word. Um, the English translated there, though, is for the sake of. So on behalf of and for, sake, for the sake of. Paul's suffering then as he sat in a Roman prison was on behalf of the church. Missionary Dick Brogdon, who um, leads the Live Dead Missionary Movement, and we've had many of the Live Dead Missionaries that we support as a church family speak right here, a living word, and um, Dick Brogdon was himself a missionary um, who now leads this um, organization. They often send missionaries to difficult, hard-to-reach places um, throughout the Middle East and other places. He, He summarizes Paul's words this way. Um, He says, Paul reminded the Colossian church that he rejoiced in his sufferings for them. He was willing to suffer repeatedly that Christ would be formed in their lives. Suffering is joy when we understand that it completes others and helps them know Jesus better. Have you ever thought about your suffering that way? While suffering because of our own folly is not noble, meaning, meaning dumb decisions I've made that caused me to suffer, um, Brogdon says these are deserved disciplines. He goes on to say, suffering for the sake of others, though, is joyous, for we see, even if by faith, that our discomfort helps Christ to grow in others' hearts. And that is glorious. Fathers of Christ can cheerfully anticipate suffering, for we know that our pain is not in vain. He says it cultivates Christ in others. If our temporary and seasonal suffering helps Christ be magnified in our disciples, in our families, in our colleagues and friends, it truly is a joy, quote. These missionaries... And others in hard-to-reach places around the world, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, um, this concept, but they often speak of how the persecution of believers, of missionaries, of everyday believers in hard-to-reach places is often the beginning of a harvest of souls in, that, in those areas. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. In, in some of the most persecuted Christian communities on earth, places like China and Iran, the underground churches have been exploding at astronomical rates in the last handful of years in spite, in spite of some of the worst persecution on the world, in the world. In April of uh, 2014, um, this this when I was... Um, Preparing for this morning, I came across this this um, incredible article written um, by The Telegraph um, back in April of to, of two thousand and fourteen uh, and this article stated that giving current trends at the time of conversion in China to Christianity that within fifteen years that would be about two thousand and thirty now in about fifteen years China would be set. To have, listen to this, to have the world's largest Christian population in the world. Unsettling for an officially atheistic government, right? This is from a nation in which two-thirds of the believers worship in illegal underground churches. Did you know that? Because they refuse to bow to government control of their church. Church attenders face constant threats of fines, imprisonments, and beatings by church. And yet, with those threats, it is known that the number of Christians in China now outnumber official members of the Communist Party. The same is true in Iran, where young people are leaving the the false hope of Islam in growing numbers. Many of them turning to Jesus, um, having dreams. They, They often speak of dreams that they have of Jesus the sacrifice, tears, and blood of missionaries in those places. Um, On your own sometime, um, read about the history of the church in Iran and and China both. Um, There were large churches there which back in previous decades were um, nearly wiped out by persecution and the the Iranian revolution and different things that happened there. Um, But the sacrifice, tears, and blood of of these everyday believers um, has made the harvest there plentiful. Amen. That gives me hope that Christ is still building his church. Amen. The suffering and persecution has helped to build the faith and endurance of fellow believers. Church, our endurance through trials cultivates Christ in others. Lastly, this morning, not only does it cultivate Christ in others, not only does our pain have a purpose, but lastly, you and I are not alone in our pain this one sounds like a given, maybe. But what if we grasp the fact that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are interceding for you and I in our pain, in our sufferings? Looking back uh, at the 8th chapter, uh, chapter of Romans again, um, Bible editors later um, titled uh, this chapter, Present Sufferings. Paul writes this in verse 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love that. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Church, the Holy Spirit living in the life of every believer is praying to the Father for you and I in our weakness. Paul says, even when we do not know what we should pray for. Anyone ever just been stuck and you have no idea what to pray for? I've been there. Ever felt helpless when you pray? That, that's okay because the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And better yet, he's praying for the will of the Father, it says. I don't know about you, but I want God's will done in my life, not my own. And so the fact that the Holy Spirit is praying for God's will in my life, man, that gives me tons of hope this morning. Looking down at verse 31, we also read of Jesus interceding for us. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Down in verse 34, uh, who then is the one who condemns no one? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us down in verse uh, 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, danger or sword? Verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Church, nothing, nothing can separate you or I from the love of Christ. As you and I struggle through difficult stages of life, along with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is also interceding for you and I. Man, that gives me tons of hope. Ever feel, feel like your prayers aren't heard? Don't worry. I'm pretty sure God's listening to the prayers of Jesus, right? Pastor John Piper um, shared these words in a song um, that my wife and I love, love, love by Shane and Shane called Though You Slay Me. And this whole song, if you haven't heard it, is really all about this message this morning. Um, when you and I go through difficulties, is is there a purpose? Um, so, Pastor John Piper shares these words, and as um, Brittany and I, uh, and COVID was starting, and we started to deal with all the, you know, the the disappointments that we all began to deal with, the, the closures, the the school closures for the kids, and you know, my son was starting basketball, and I know that for him it was a big deal. They they didn't know what the season would look like, and and again, those things are minor compared to what many have faced, but. Um, they were disappointments, and, and this this song, these words, really helped us to quickly see perspective in what God may have for us in this season. I, I'm going to read these um, words to you this morning. I'm not the gifted speaker that John Piper is, but I hope you'll take in the weight of these words this morning. Not only is your affliction momentary, Pastor Piper says. Not only is all your affliction light. In comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. Every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen when your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you've got cancer at 40, when a car careens on the sidewalk and takes him out. Don't say, it's meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day focus on them. Preach them to yourself every morning. Get alone with God and preach his word until your mind, until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for. Amen. Church as a worship team comes here to to help us close. Um, I... I, of course, simply have no idea what you or I may face in 2022. I don't know. Here's here's what I know. God will never abandon you. He'll never forsake you. God is ever faithful. His goodness has no end. He cares for you like no other. As Pastor and I um, wrote, Christmas cards to our, our ministry leaders, I caught this message actually on the inside of this Christmas card, and it, man, it spoke to me, Putting the gospel message in such a concise way. It said this, his destiny was the cross. His purpose was love. His reason was you. Church, when your life hasn't turned out like a Disney movie or your dreams have failed, don't give up on the hope of that statement. Jesus' reason for coming was you. And because that's true, the pain and the suffering of this world pales in comparison to the hope that we have because of Jesus. Amen. I want to end this morning with one of my new favorite worship songs. Um, And here's why. Um, This song speaks of, of worship in spite of suffering. And I hope you're encouraged by that this morning. Let's let's stand as we sing this together. I won't bow to idols. I'll, st- I'll stand strong and worship you. If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. If the cross transformation, I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. co with Christ. When you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing. My song will be the same. Christ, be magnified in me. Church, again, I don't know what 2022 is going to look like. Um, I hope that through the joys and through the difficulties that will allow Christ to be magnified in our lives. For myself, for the others around me, that's my prayer for you in the new year. If you're going through difficulty, I, I know many of you are. I know personally what many of you have, have gone through. Um, we'll be up here at the front Myself, and if you if you like prayer, we'd love to love to pray for you. Please please come join us afterwards. Um, let me let me pray for you as we close. God, I thank you for the eternal truths of your word. God, I thank you that as as we um, go through life and face challenges and difficulties, and God, I, I pray that you would help our hearts and our minds to to focus on the truth that. Um, you will never leave us or forsake us. That as we as we walk through these pains, God, um, there is an ultimate purpose. I pray that we would surrender our hearts to that purpose, Lord. Comfort, comfort us as we face these things. God, remind us of your truth and love and peace in our lives. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen, amen. Thank you so much, church. Thank you for being here today. Have a great week. We will see you in 2022.